In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Statistics are showing that we've had one of the worst flu seasons in history. Globally, we've seen approximately 400,000 deaths from flu in the past 12 months. We can certainly say that since the COVID outbreak in 2019, we've seen a lot of death, especially from respiratory illnesses. So we're, we're becoming very used to seeing this. And we can add to that number the number of people who have died from cancer globally this past year, 8.2 million people. 5 million people died this past year from cigarette use. 1.7 million died from HIV AIDS. 2.5 million from suicide. 1.1 million from traffic accidents. And on top of all of that, the leading cause of death, 73 million children were eviscerated at the hands of doctors through abortion. And that number does not include the millions more who died as a result of chemical abortions through medications such as Plan B. To put things in perspective, in the United States in 2021, we saw a daily average of 1,074 deaths from COVID-19. That was nearly 26,000 deaths in the course of the year. On the other hand, an average of 2,362 children are murdered daily in the United States through abortion. That's nearly 57,000 since January 1st. Even with the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the United States, we saw a 10% increase in legal abortions in the country this year. Now, I don't really intend to speak about politics today, but it is an election year, uh, and there's a, a significant spiritual issue that we need to address. And it's an issue that I fear is deeply implanted within the hearts of many American Catholics, and it begins in the Gospel today and, and, and our second reading as well. So the Lord in the Gospel meets Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and he calls them from their lives, from their livelihood to follow him. These first apostles were not recruited to just grow the numbers, right? Christ wasn't just trying to grow a party for himself. They were called personally, personally called to follow the Lord and to thereby conform their lives and their minds and their hearts to his. And we know that was difficult for each of them and difficult in, in different ways. Yet all of them are now called saints. All of them now enjoy the perpetual bliss of heaven because all of them in the end were able to truly follow Christ in every way. And the call of Christ is one that requires us to do a lot more than just simply tag along as part of the group. Each of us are individually called in our baptism to conform our lives and our actions to the pattern of Jesus Christ. And Christ, while being merciful, is also firm. Each of those people that he forgives sins of in the gospel, he tells, go and sin no more. So while there is plenty of room for us to fail, there is no room for us to try to go out and figure things out in our own way. Christ invites us to follow him. And if we fail along the way, he forgives us so long as we are truly following him and not following off our own path. Now this commitment to the Lord Christ requires us to submit not only our physical actions, but our mind, our beliefs to his sovereignty. Jesus Christ reveals to his disciples that he is the truth itself. And therefore, all who wish to follow him must heed his voice. They must believe only in the truth. 
And there isn't more than one truth because there is not one more than one Jesus Christ. So it's really a very black and white situation in the end. The thing is right or it's wrong. It's good or it's evil. It's true or it's not. And to educate us and to confirm us in the truth, the Lord sent his Holy Spirit to enliven and to direct the church so that when she teaches, it is the Spirit who teaches. And we, as faithful members of the church, who desire to follow Christ in everything, we are duty-bound to uphold everything which the church gives us as the truth. Now, this is not what non-Catholic thinks, right? Non-Catholics are fine if everyone in their congregation disagree about major areas of theology, so long as they can agree on some big things, right? So in one Protestant church, you can have someone who believes in the real presence of the Eucharist and someone who doesn't. You can have someone who accepts the inerrancy of Scripture and someone who doesn't. You can have someone who accepts the dogma of the Trinity and someone who doesn't. But in the Church of Jesus Christ, which is established and subsists within the Catholic Church, it is impossible to hold beliefs which contradict the teachings of the faith because there is only one truth as there is only one Jesus Christ. So we're at again the anniversary of Roe versus Wade and, and various politicians this whole year are gonna make a platform out of abortion. Uh, and it's my duty as a priest not to comment on the authenticity of a candidate's argument, that's not the point, but to inform you that it is impossible for a Catholic in good conscience to uphold beliefs which are in direct contradiction to those of the Catholic Church. Because to do so is to contradict the truth itself. Now it's an irrefutable fact that the Catholic Church has, since the earliest days of the faith, condemned the act of abortion for none other than what it is, a grave offense against the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. So let's look at a, a few quotes. So in the first century, 74 AD, almost 20 years before the death of St. John the Evangelist, mind you, we have a letter written by a Roman Christian who says, If anyone desires to travel to the appointed place, and by that he means heaven, he must be zealous in his works. The knowledge, therefore, which is given to us for the purpose of walking in this way is the following. Thou shalt not slay the child by procuring abortion, nor again shalt thou destroy it after it is born. In the third century, 210 A.D., Tertullian will write extensively describing the ancient metal instruments that are used by surgeons to procure abortions in his day. And then at the end of it all, he says, Now we allow that life begins with conception, because we contend that the soul also begins from conception, life taking its commencement at the same moment and place that the soul does. In our case, a murder being once and all forbidden, we may not destroy even the fetus of the womb, while as yet the human being derives blood from other parts of the body for its sustenance. St. Basil the Great, 374 AD, writes, They who take medicines to procure abortion are murderers. St. Jerome, 396 AD, he writes, Some go as far as to take potions, that they may ensure barrenness, and thus murder human beings almost before their conception, some, when they find themselves with child through their sin, will use drugs to procure abortion. And Pope Francis in 2019, he writes, It is not licit to eliminate a human life, to solve a problem. Abortion is never the answer that women and families are looking for. So this isn't a new thing, right? This isn't something that the Catholic Church decided to harp on for the past hundred years or so. This is fundamental to our understanding of what life is. Now, some will argue that abortion is not the only issue, and, and it's not. 
right, they're right. But to use the words of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, abortion is the preeminent moral issue of our day. And if there's any question about it, I can read all those statistics again. It's appalling that in a country where the majority of people are Christians and the majority of those people are Catholic, it's appalling that we still allow the extermination of children in the womb by the thousands every day. It's a crime worse than the Holocaust, and yet so many people today are more concerned about the gas prices or, or whatever it is, right, than they are about the fact that 73 million children were murdered this year by abortion and that it continues every single day and that some people call it a right. Now, if Catholics hold the majority, and we do, then we do so with bloody hands. And we should be horrified at this. We should be more horrified at these statistics than we are at the experiments done on children at the hands of Nazi surgeons. Mother Teresa put it well. She said, by abortion, the mother does not learn to love, but kills even her own child to solve a problem. And by abortion, that father is told that he does not have to take any responsibility at all for the child he has brought into the world. That father is likely to put other women into the same trouble. So abortion just leads to more abortion, and any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love, but to use any violence to get what they want. That is why the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. So where does that leave us? Now, this has been a very violent year globally. We, we, we've had wars, there's been riots, we've had political violence. Um, political solutions are not the answer. We're the new Nineveh. We're the nation that needs to convert. It's time for us to repent of this terrible sin and to believe once more in the truth, to believe in Jesus Christ. Please, praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.